With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. guys go out and uh, check that out the movie i recommended good morning vietnam one of the, by the way that's the second time i've done it in a row and that it ends there that's not going to be my signature intro good morning vietnam of course because that wouldn't make any sense would but anyway i hope that some most of you get the reference now at least I mean, I'd recommend it, but anybody would recommend that movie. And if you like Robin Williams, who tragically passed away, if you want to say that, a few years ago. You know, he was uh, one of the best comedians ever. Definitely, his mind, one of the fastest working minds I've ever seen. I don't think there's an argument there. Best comedian could be totally subjective. My favorite was probably George Carlin. Check check into George Carlin. He's famous for the seven words you can't say on television bit, but although it's a great bit, it wouldn't make my top 50 bits by him. Uh, I just, I got every album. Yes, comedians have albums. Check into it. Uh, Who else do I like? Not that you asked. Chris Rock. Uh, Bill Burr is probably my favorite today. I don't mind. It took a while for Joe Rogan to um, make an impact. For a while, I thought he was a bit childish. But uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm just starting to ramble. But there are some, um, I like comedians who, like the reason I like George Carlin is because he's really only making interesting facts. A lot of people do, but he's really only pointing out some of the flaws in society that I totally, uh, I, I can't say I agree with all of them but i'm just saying it they're, they're amusing observations of society let's say there are a lot of comedians that take a, uh, that approach not 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 all when i uh, do stand up comedy and i'm never going to put myself i don't consider myself a stand up comedian i tell stories sometimes they're in a nightclub and people hire me to do that that's what i'm doing I, i'm certainly not you know what's the deal and with airline peanuts kind of comedian 
Uh, and I'm not ballsy enough to make observations about society, even though I agree with lots of what George Carlin says. And on here, I've gone on rants about things that might work in a stand-up hall. <laughs> but I'm not that kind of comedian, and people aren't paying to see that in the rare time. I'm, I'm really a public speaker. You know, people hire me to do banquets and stuff. I mean, Jerry D gave me an opportunity and to practice. I did some yuck yucks. I mean, I've probably done at least, oh God, at least 40 times I've done stand-up comedy. Uh, but I don't like it the same as public speaking, even though it's the same act. Again, because I'm telling stories. I'm not really up there being a stand-up comedian, although some people do take that approach. And if you don't know hockey, the stories I'm telling have to do with hockey. I try to make them as all-inclusive as possible. For example, people know when I, the stories say I knocked the teeth out of my head with a sledgehammer. Hockey was the vehicle. If you don't know it, check it out in Tales of the First Around Nothing, plug, plug. But I've told the story a lot. If you're tuning into this, you've probably heard that story right now. Or even the Mike Milbury interview, draft interview. You know, hockey's the vehicle to those stories, but I don't really think you've got to know hockey to to really find them amusing or distasteful, whichever way you look at it. They'll give you an emotion, I guess, um, or totally, totally just grotesque. I mean, I knocked my own teeth out of my head with a sledgehammer. So, yeah, there's that. A lot of people can't even stomach that story. Anyhow, most stand-up, most comedy clubs, it'll be okay. It'll get a decent reaction. Okay, he's worth the money that we paid him to be like third opener or whatever it is. But, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable, say, uh, you know, someone hires me to go to it and, and speak at a golf tournament, whether it be a charity for something or, you know, a lot of hockey banquets, things like that. Generally, I'm, you know, if you're paying me to come in and only me, you probably want to hear what I have to say. And um, anyway, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just rambling. What, what, what are you going to do? Right. We're stuck in this. I mean. We don't really know where we are. I was going to say we're a little bit further ahead than we were a couple of weeks ago, but I think it's just because uh, Trump and Moore are uh, talking about opening up the economy. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't want to get political. One day I'm going to get political on here. It's not yet, though. It's not yet. And this thing, this coronavirus, I mean, it's starting to get a little bit political, but it really shouldn't be. I mean, this thing is, you know, every, uh, I shouldn't say everybody should have the same view, but we should all treat this with respect and getting political at a time like this is poison. That that's just me, but uh, I don't want to go there yet. One day I will, I really will. Um, and I'm probably going to surprise some of you with what I got to say, but uh, it's certainly not going to be today. And uh, what are we a, a few minutes in? And I still haven't uh, mentioned that fuckhead in Nova Scotia that caused more grief and I'm not going to do it right now. I don't want to give him, I'm not even going to say his name right now. But I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. I'm just going to, I'll, I'll say a little bit at the end. Now, some would argue, you know, you're being distasteful and not bringing it up. Whatever. I brought it up. I just don't want to, I don't want to start the show morbidly again and again and again. Princess. The cat's running over. The cat is honestly on, on the curtains, up in, up. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen that before, but my cat's just nuts. Six months old, full of piss and vinegar. And yes, I'd rather talk about my cat at this particular point uh, than the motherfucking murderer in Nova Scotia. Again, I'll say a bit at, at the end about that if you want to hear. If not, 
So fucking be it. Jackass. Of course, I don't want to sound ignorant either, because uh, there's clearly got to be some kind of mental problem, but it's hard for me to take fucking pity on that. Someone had to see a fucking sign or something. Now I'm starting to fucking talk about it, and I get riled up, and I said I wouldn't, A, and B, I don't even have the information. I just read the story that 16 or 17 people have died at the hands of a murderer with a gun posing as a cop. That's all I know. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry to the people. But anyway, I'm spending too much time talking about it. I don't want to talk about it now. And it's my show. And if you don't like that, then tune out. Whatever it's going to be. I'm not trying to be distasteful. Uh, but what I do want to talk about, has anybody noticed Willie Nelson has been the same age for 50 years? Holy fuck. I just thought about it the other day. You know, like I was three, four, five years old. So we're talking, I was born in 77. And I remember distinctly listening to Willie Nelson. Not by choice, although I like him now. My grandfather, my, my, my father, whatever, someone, there always be music always at my place. We're having breakfast in the morning, bacon and eggs. Kid, you know, getting ready for the day. Whiskey River, take my mind. You know, that, that, that old twang, right? It was a twang even then. Even in 1980, it sounded like a twang. Even in 1980, it sounded like a twang. Don't let her memory take on me. I always wanted to know, where was this Whiskey, whiskey River? I thought it was a real place. Whiskey River, don't run dry. You're all I got to carry me. I'm butchering Willie Nelson. To me, by the way, it just seems like I'm doing this on my own. If there was, I think if there was an actual camera in my face or I was in a room full of people, although I sing, I wouldn't sing Whiskey River because I can't, and I'm not even sure if those were the words that's come from childhood memories. When I sing Whiskey River, I smell, if you're in Newfoundland, I smell Towton's. You know what that is? If you're not in Newfoundland, a Towton is, um, I, I, I have no idea, other than it's a form of dough, that we use for breakfast. I have no other idea. It's, it's dough, I suppose. It's a bread, but it's real unique, and it's kind of hard bread almost. Uh, now, I don't know how to explain Towton's. I'm not a chef. I have no culinary bone in my body. I have mentioned on here, you're going to, you will remember I mentioned making stuff. I do. I go to Google, and I like look at the ingredients, and I put them on there, but nothing registers. It's like when you you know, you ask someone for directions somewhere, and you know, they give them to you, but you wouldn't remember them a week later because you just needed them for that night. Well, that's the way I am. I don't absorb it because I'm not into it. So you give me an album. I, if I like the album, I will remember till the day I die. Well, who knows, outside of some brain injury or something. But I, I tend to remember songs, music, movies, hockey, I guess things I like. Um, not that I don't like recipes, but it just doesn't resonate. I'm not a chef. I have no fucking idea what's happening. Um, I put vegetables on there, usually with either rice or pasta. Pick a protein, which is more and more fish these days. And I go from there. I'm digressing again. What am I talking about? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the Towns. So Whiskey River, the song comes out. And yeah, you know, you, there must be some smell of... 
you know, distinct smells growing up I have are to do with, for whatever reason, my grandparents and food. Um, I remember my nan baking bread, for example. Like, that's a really distinct smell to me. Um, the first time I had McDonald's isn't a distinct smell. I don't remember that. You could give me all kinds of memories that I'm in McDonald's with my friend. And like many small towns in Canada, Mount Pearl, everybody met. Like, you just went around and walked around. Some people were smoking darts. You know, you're 10 years old. You get, we would play hockey all day, right? And then at night... When, you get, when you're old enough to walk around, you know, on your own, 10, 11, 12 years old, that's when people started, like, smoking. So there's, like, a couple of smoke areas, and then people, like, 13, 14, 15 were starting to have a bottle of beer, right? So that was over in, like, Sprung Greenhouse area. But oh, usually down around, there's rivers and paths all throughout Mount Pearl. So all these, you know, the smoking and the drinking places. Again, not that I was a big smoker drinker either. I did it, though. Like, you know, it was a different time. It was the fucking 80s, early 90s. Um, so every, I think, you know, everybody tried it and you just figured it out right away. Like I knew that I, not saying I don't, I didn't have a dart at parties or whatever. But generally, no, I wasn't a smoker. Um, weed and even, even, fuck, I didn't smoke weed in Mount Pearl growing up. I thought you know, I put it on the same level as heroin, which was all right. I'm glad I didn't get into something else. That's all I needed was something else. My views on drugs were completely different when I was in between 10 and 20 than they are now. But anyway, 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 yeah, point being, so there's lots of like, food. It, it's not just food smells for me, it's, it's around my home. I remember my grandfather, you know, and, and frying up cod, and that's a distinct smell to me. A lot of people don't like it, I love it because it reminds me of certain things, it's nostalgic. I remember getting up and having that meal on the way to practice, on the way to watch my dad's junior games. My dad coached a junior team in Mount Pearl, the junior blades. Again, simple childhood, right? You know, you, you, you play ball, ball hockey or baseball or soccer. That's what we did all day. Got enough together to do that. And all we needed was five or six. That's really all we needed. And if it was baseball uh, and we only had two or three, we'd go to baseball and just play knockouts. But there was some sport every single day. That's what we did growing up. Then at six, seven, eight o'clock at night, there'd be a local baseball team. Either the senior team would be playing or if it was the summer or the junior team would be playing. If it was the winter, the junior or senior uh, hockey teams would be playing. And these things here are paid events because it's something to do. So when I say like a senior hockey team or like, or, or the senior baseball team, I'm not just talking like uh, slow pitch. Like this was, you know, baseball, you throwing fastballs, curveballs, whatever. You go to the Canadian nationals if you win and something to watch. And usually St. John's or Mount or Cornerbrook would win. They were uh, in my era, the, the best teams and my dad's era. I mean, like, you know, on the Island, they would, there's a local league, but on the island, you know, you play against different places. And it still goes on. It's great. But we would pay to go see those games. My dad was a big ball player. By that, I mean he got selected for Team Canada. Dad was one of the best ball players ever from Newfoundland. I know I mentioned that before, but it's true. But anyway, that was our growing up. And uh, the smells that come with that, for whatever reason, I, you often think about sights and sounds. And, you know, I guess because we're so involved in, like, podcasts, like you're listening to our TV, or, but there's no, like, smell that comes with TV. I suppose there is if you're in your house and someone's cooking something, and then I guess years later it could be associated. But for me, there's, those are the real, real distinct smells. Or my dad and his buddies drinking downstairs and the smell of beer 
cigarettes, weed smoke, you know, not that it was prevalent in the house. Dad never smoked weed or mom. But they'd have parties and, and it was the 80s and 90s. And so that like those, those smells bring that to me. I, I, the, the smell of an album like comes together and there are vinyl albums take out go to vinyl search look they, they got that dusty rustic smell to them uh to someone who doesn't like it or didn't grow up with it it probably sounds it smells foul but to me it's it really really triggers a, a memory and we don't at least i think because of the way our society's triggered with the cell phones again and with you know sports for me and with tv and radio there's not always a smell that comes with that um sports i guess your hockey gear and everything but still um but whatever you know for so but some songs because they were being played when that certain smell gives me a trigger in my mind like whiskey river i form an affinity to them i, I don't know so you know it, to me it makes that it sounds like a twangy just straight up song maybe i'm speaking out of turn maybe it's a legendary song i don't know um but to me, it has takes on a different meaning. So I'll often be driving out the highway and um, throw on my classic country list. And a lot of those songs were on at the time. So they'll remind me of my grandmother's Towtons or, or, or banana bread or whatever it might be. And the same thing for, uh, and oddly enough, maybe they're your first memories, but it's both sides. Like my, my father's parents lived in Grand Falls. It's about a three and a half, four hour drive. And the same thing, like the first thing I remember about being in there is, is Nan's cooking. And, you know, maybe, maybe I'm striking a chord. Maybe I'll think I'm nuts. Maybe I'll put out a tweet. I'm actually interested. It, often when I grab the fucking microphone and I do these things, it's almost like therapy. It's almost like because I get more out of it than talking to a, a professional or a therapist for sure. Um, I guess not always, but yeah, like right there. I never even really thought about that. I don't talk with people about smells ever or associations. Am I fucked or is that normal? Do you, is, my first memories often are associated with smell and now none are. Um, and that, you know, what? I'm going to ask my guest today. I'm going to ask him what he thinks of that. Write myself a note. Princess, Jesus, get down. I love her, but she's all over the place. Had to make a note. Smells and sounds, memories. Um, and yeah, so I live in a tiny apartment, right? And I got this cat and princess. Uh, she's so. Everybody could say it about their own personal cat, but when I'm on here, you hear me complaining. But it's only because I'm doing recording. I understand that she has to run. And at first, I didn't really want a cat. My wife and I split, and to make it easy on my daughter. Um, on our daughter, we both agreed on this. We, we still agree on everything and talk all the time. Actually, it's a pretty good relationship we have. And in, in, in some aspects, we're further along than we ever have been. But, uh, you know, we got Penny Lane, and that's more important than us. So we got her to raise, and we got to do it. Uh, we got to do it on the best terms we possibly can. Uh, and I forget where I was going with that, but probably a, probably a good thing because I beat that to death. Um, oh, the sights and sounds. Anyway, that's that. Uh, next up, what do we got? Uh, oh, hockey cards. Well, we got Ken Reed coming on. Great guest. We're going to talk a little bit of hockey cards. But um, we're probably just going to shoot the shit. He's a buddy. 
Actually, look, I don't, I don't want to leave, though. That all started with Willie Nelson. And I joked, but really, though, I'm serious. In 1980, when I was three years old and those first memories were happening, I was seeing pictures of Willie Nelson. He had white hair. He looks the same as he does now. I honestly thought he was like an old man, and now he's an old man. But I'm 43 years old. In some term, in some context, you could say I'm an old man. So I don't know, man. Willie Nelson is the one guy. He just seems like he could be Jesus. Now think of the similarities, right? He's looking down at you. He's on stage. People are preaching his own words back up to him, just like the gospel. Well, he's got his arms out. He's, he's, he's on the microphone. He's looking down. Listen, people, this is what I'm preaching. Singing about seven Spanish angels and shit, right? Singing about heaven. All the girls I've loved before, you were always on my mind, right? These songs that strike up a certain infinity to them, always, all the girls. Seven Spanish Angels, like I said, I'm just going off the top of my fucking head with some songs that I know by them. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Keith Richards defies logic, but he's aging in real time. Right, he defies logic, but Keith Richards, I know, was in the Rolling Stones in the, in the, in the 50s. You look at pictures, he's a young cat. It's amazing that he's still alive, but he seems to age like everybody else. Amazingly, but he still does. Willie Nelson just to me seems like he's been around forever. And then with the similarities to Jesus, I mean, who knows? Who fucking knows? The Church of Willie Nelson. I know there's a lot of similarities, though. Like you said, right? He's looking down at the at the audience. He's got the big light behind him, like a halo almost. Or a crown. He's been battered. He was probably a carpenter for, I, for all I fucking know. He looks like one. Right? Laid back. Preaching peace and love. You know, other than weed, which is kind of his God. You know, there's different ways, but Jesus, there's parallels. I'm starting to convince myself that Willie Nelson might be Jesus or God or whatever the fuck you want to say. The truth is, I think I'm spiritual. I think. I mean, you get. I mean, I don't really believe those stories. Like I said, I was raised Catholic, but come on. Parting of the Red Sea. Just think about it. Just, just think about it. Just think about Noah's Ark. I know, I know, it's all good, but, but just think. And those stories were written thousands of years ago when we didn't have this technology. I'm sorry to admit it, but like to those of you that are like ultra religious, and I mean, maybe there's something to it, but don't hate me for just laughing at that shit. Like, come on, Noah's Ark. Just, just think about it. Two of everything. Just, just think about it. Of everything. Let's just start with insects. Okay? Two of everything. Of everything. And then did he take the microbes? Right? Did he take the viruses? What did he do? Because the coronavirus gives all the other viruses a bad rap. Not all of them are that bad. They don't want you to die. Right? They don't want to die themselves. A lot of microbes, I'm pretty sure, are pretty good microbes. Are all germs germs? What's the definition of germs? Some must help you. 
I know if I was living in the wilderness and some germs could kill a tiger that couldn't kill a human, I would like that germ. That would be a good germ. So, I mean, I don't know. Noah's Ark, just think about it now. Now think about all the mammals. Just, 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 just think about it. How are they going to get all those little fruit flies and shit onto the fucking ark? How are you going to take two fruit flies and make sure that they get on with the two elephants? Turn your head the fucking... It's easy to tr keep track of the elephants, right? Tigers, elephants, okay, we got those. Rhinoceroses, check, check. Even dogs, cats, okay? The cats are fucking frisky. They're all over the place, but okay, we got the fucking cats. They're here. Now, mice, Jesus, okay, how do we get mice? How do we, how do we guarantee we get mice? Hamster, a shrew, a gerbil. They all look the fucking same to me, Johnny. They all look the same. How the fuck do I know I got two of each? Noah, Noah, get over here. Is that a hamster or a gerbil? Or maybe there wasn't. Maybe there was only hamsters and gerbils, and they took like three of one and one of the other. And that's how we got mice. Right? We just, maybe. Two of everything. Right? Turn your head, and then you're going, oh, fuck, I forgot. The fish. We're on the ocean, but we needed to take all the lake fish. They can't live here, Noah. Now you need to bring an aquarium on this thing. And aquariums aren't going to be invented for another 1,500 fucking years. How are we going to do this? God, grab a plastic bag. Grab a, we don't, they're not invented yet, Noah. They're not invented yet. We don't have plastic bags and shit. We got a few little bowls that maybe we can put a few of these fish in. But I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to get this freshwater jackfish? I don't know how we're going to do it. No, I know. I have no idea. On top of that, the fucking storm is coming up. Shit's rattling all over the boat, the elephants and the fucking fruit flies. I mean, how are these two fruit flies going to last the whole time? Right? Now we got to bring bees, but we also got to bring killer bees. We're going to bring spiders. So we're going to bring two spiders, are we? They're going to spin their webs, and the fucking flies are going to be gone before we get to where we're going to go, Noah. I can keep fucking going, but if you're saying Noah's Ark's real, this is what you're, this is what you're claiming. Now, I don't like to get political or religious on here. Before the religious people out there fucking hate me, okay? Actually, one of the reasons I love George Carlin, George Carlin says religion is meant to pass off to be a good thing, but it could be the most catastrophic thing to happen to mankind. And that's why I don't like religion, just, or, or sorry, I shouldn't say don't like it. The extremists, but you know, religious, what is religious? I, I believe in spirituality, right? I close my, I, I, I really hope that my buddy BJ Young knows somewhere, his entity is out there somewhere, energy, what goes up must come down. I hope that he knows that I helped raise his son, Tyson, and Tyson's all right. Now, I can only hope that. We don't know. I could choose not to, but I think it would be living a life of negativity. Because if I don't know, I might as well err on the side of positivity, right? Isn't that, I mean, if, if you're going into a hockey game and you don't know and it's game seven, you're going to hope that you're going to win it. And in your mind, you got to tell yourself, we're going to win. So if I don't know this answer... I'm saying there's some for the spiritual, and I, I do. We, we, there's so much that we don't know, and it's so miraculous. 
the whole thing, but it doesn't have to be a, a man up there in long hair sitting behind a desk with a mustache making calls, answering prayers like a fucking Rolodex, right? Whatever it is is probably beyond our comprehension, right? I'm from the church of I don't fucking know, but I'm going to be live as a good person. The more good deeds I do, it, it, it probably goes to stand that the, the world is going to be in a better place. At the very least, part of me lives on with my daughter, and I need to leave it for her. The human race, like so many people came before us. I'm pretty fucking happy that I got to fucking live. I got to wake up with a fucking hot water bottle and a fucking set of movies and music that I can listen to on my iPod or <laughs> iPod, whatever, on my stereo, whatever it is. iPod's actually a hell of a lot more than they had or other people did in the past, you know. I don't know. I woke up one day. What's the end? I don't fucking know. I woke up. I could have been an aardvark. Right? And that's best. That's not best. Case. That's a good That's a good case scenario. Right? I don't really know. Where does life come? I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I just woke up one day. Like all of us, right? You, you, your brain gets to a point. I don't know. You're like one, two, three years old. Boom. Okay. I'm turned on. I'm alive. Well, man, most things, most life like that, like I, I'm glad that I got to be inside this body and brain, whatever you say, whatever it is, the package that I'm looking at, okay, my nose is crooked, right? I got a few flaws. Wish I had a bit bigger of a dick, I suppose, right? Wish I was slightly better looking. I try to do what I can with what I got, but fuck, my teeth are all crooked. You know, I can't ever get rid. I can't get abs for some reason. I get skinny as I want, work out. You know, one of my feet fucking really, honestly, I've always, it fucking hurts. If I turn it in, I wake up and it pains. But I could be an aardvark, for fuck's sakes. I could be a fruit fly. I probably was a fruit fly. I probably went through thousands and thousands of years of being a fucking fruit fly and then okay roll the dice roll the dice roll the dice ah fuck it i'm a crab roll the dice roll the dice roll the dice oh perfect okay okay i'm a chimpanzee right it's like 1200 fuck i'm a chimpanzee i don't want to be a human anyway genghis khan has taken over the world now it's probably not a good time okay cross my fingers genghis khan's gonna die we're gonna get we're gonna get out of the dark ages okay i'm gonna be a human i'm gonna be a human and roll fuck fucking bumblebee okay jesus christ okay bumblebee bright side i'm gonna be arrive alive for a few weeks okay a few weeks later roll god damn it fuck me jesus christ a slug you couldn't even make me a worm i have a slug how the fuck did i live this long as i slither across the yard it takes me about 16 fucking hours to go three feet every goddamn cat dog and fucking everything else in the universe wants to eat me my life fucking span is on average is seven days get me out of this fucking body i don't want to be a slug boom okay king of the jungle i'm a lion still i'm a lion i got no fucking hands just bat things around. I can't speak. I want to say, what the fuck's on the go? Humans, give me a break. Of course I'm going to eat you, get in my face. You put me in cages. But I can't because I don't have vocal cords. I might even be able to understand all that shit. But I'm a lion. 
I can't go to bed either because no one believes me. I can't get this. I want to say to people that, you know, I don't like this shit living in the jungle all the time. I'm the king because I'm ferocious and I was born like this. But I want to live in Manhattan in a fucking penthouse. Right? And that's best case scenario, you're a fucking lion. I can't think of many other things. At least you're the king of the jungle. There's not many predators going to come and get you. Unless a virus or some shit, of course. If that's a predator. But I mean, I don't know. Tiger, lion, chimpanzee. I'm trying to think of what I would like to be. I suppose a bird. What kind of a brain does a bird have, though? Does it know it's alive? I think a chimpanzee knows it's alive. Like, if we could just tweak its vocal cords, maybe. I saw a study... Um, I study recently, actually, in one of these, you know what, it's in the, on Netflix, there's a thing called Explained. And one of them is on animal intelligence. So they taught these chimps uh, like 200 uh, signs and they could communicate. So they can clearly, it's just, they don't have vocal cords now. Could they communicate like we could? Not really, right? The ape was still like flashing hands when he was hungry. And, but he was saying that things really a little bit more than that. I mean, Princess, the cat here, can tell me when she's hungry. Meow means she's either hungry or wants to go out, right? Usually, or she, I guess she could be sick, constipated or something. And then I don't know what she's talking about. I really only know meow means like eat, fucking put me outside. Or I guess at night, the odd time, she runs up and like, she actually gets under the blanket, which is weird for a cat. So she's probably scared. So it's, you know, eat, let me out or I'm scared. The odd time I got a shit, whatever. That's a cat. Now, this monkey was a little bit more advanced, but it wasn't like saying, you know, who are we going to vote for in the upcoming election or none of that shit. But it was going, you know, I'm hungry now, for example. I hungry now. You give me food. It was doing those, which is a hell of a lot smarter than I thought monkeys were. Again, we're monkeys, but you know what I'm saying. But then the religious folk out there probably don't even believe that we are monkeys, that the evolution happened, right? And that's fair if you don't. Everybody, but that's where I find science and religion, they, can't, they can definitely coexist. But some of those books, like I don't know how far back the Quran goes or anything, but like the Bible goes back 2,000 years, and then you're going to talk about the, and slightly more, and then you're going to talk about the Old Testament, so it could go back to the beginning of time. And... At the time, we didn't know, right? It's just like it, when the Black Death came out 700 years ago, when the Black Plague, sorry, bubonic plague, well, people didn't know that, like, putting sewers in the streets or putting dead bodies out in the streets or even coughing on each other, that that mattered. They honestly, it was a legit God's work or ghouls or goblins or curses that was really, really a legit reason that they thought that might be happening. Right? That was legit. But now we know the difference, right? So most of us now, whether we like it or not, and I know there's some people uh, protesting. I hope that shit stops. You know, the outside gathering of protesters. I was gathering of protesters just in this just doesn't make any sense. Protest somehow. Yeah, you might, you might argue that we need to come back sooner than we can. I mean, I, I'd rather just trust the experts. But even if that's your argument, it's a silly time to have gatherings outside of protests. But anyway. Right. So we didn't know the bubonic plague. We didn't know the reasons. We didn't know what was going on. Well, now we do. So we take precautions. And most of you are inside because you're listening to Dr. Fauci or Dr. Haggis or whoever it is. Tell you the steps because you're trusting them. Right. 
Well, if you trust that, then you can't just ignore, you can't make something, you can believe things only to suit your own narrative. That, that becomes real dangerous, right? So there's a way, you, I believe Jesus was around. And whether you believe he's the son of God, it's up to you. I don't, but it's up to you. And that's fair, right? I totally, and I get a lot of people do, but don't get mad at me for not, because very thing, and, and that happens. Because if you're preaching Jesus's word, then you probably have to be accepting of me. And if Jesus will cast me out, if I don't believe in himself and his God, that's pretty greedy Jesus and God, isn't it? Right? But at the very least, we should know now that Adam and Eve didn't happen. Right? Unless Adam and Eve were gorillas. Because Charles Darwin came along and proved. Now, they still I, th I think they still say theory of evolution uh, because of that reason. Uh, but, it, you know, it's proven. Is the religious reason. Do they still say theory, I wonder? Anyway, it's pr fucking proven. People, you, you know, it's connecting dots. The best archaeologists that go to school for their whole lives, doctors, doctors of their craft, and, and digging things up and finding things and carbon dating. and But, you know, your Uncle Joey told you that Moses parted the Red Sea, so you're going to believe your Uncle Joey because he told you in Sunday school out in Arnold's Cove. It's just fucking ignorant. Now, some people, of course, those are their beliefs, and I, and I, my mom is one of them here. I'm not trying to turn people against religion. I'm just saying that, you know, there, I find it interesting, at least the contradictory that like people can look last year, people traveling all over and religious people. So you're, you're traveling. Remember that uh, eclipse that happened across the United States? There was like a, a it was a couple of years ago. It was like the only time you're ever going to see a full on eclipse for like the next 70 years. Well, people like from all over traveled the world and rightly so. If you're into it, you want to see it. But you understand that by looking at that then you're admitting all the science, like you're believing the scientists. So say, I, again, I don't want to take a, a, a stance on this, but let's just say climate change. Whatever side you're on, I don't give a fuck. Right? But you, you might argue men are, or mankind is doing it. You might argue it's not. You might argue, I mean, again, I don't want to get political here. But if, if you believe in the science of looking at that eclipse and knowing you're saying it's definitely going to happen. If, if you're going to buy a plane ticket from Beijing or wherever the fuck you're going to come from and go to fucking Roanoke, West Virginia to watch an eclipse that the scientists tell you and you know, and you're kind and sure enough, it happened. Now, if you're believing all the science that makes you look at that eclipse from the people that have told you that are much more educated, well, then you got to start thinking that the, about the other things that you don't believe that they're saying to you as well that don't fit your narrative. Now, I don't fucking know if that's you working in the oil field or, and again, there's, there's a really, there's two sides of that, and I'm certainly not going to get political. I mean, fuck, there's people working in the oil field. We, we, we got to, the, the, the best way to attack all that is how do they keep their jobs the healthy way, healthiest way possible, forging in the future? I mean, it's an easy question. What side of it you're on is, you know, the degrees of which side I, I think totally makes sense. Again, I've said before, it's like the abortion issue where it's like 
um, or let's just say the abortion issue. It's a tough fucking titty, man. It's a tough, or the gun issue in the States or whatever. It's tough and people got to be listened to on both sides or you're going to get fucking nowhere because there's points to be had. Some, sometimes there's a point on both sides, man. And if people are driven by morals and religion, which again is totally acceptable, then abortion or climate change might mean something different. People want their jobs and the oil field are going to lose their family. They want their fucking job. Now, climate change is clearly happening, whether it's caused by man or whatever. I know what side I'm on, but, you know, I know the arguments towards it. And I don't want to go there. What I'm saying is that you can't just cast it off, though, that nothing's happening. Right? Um, Because the very science that makes you look at that eclipse and you believe in and the very science that makes you believe, I know that tomorrow the sun's going to come up. I know it's going to be 24 hours. And I know that, say, June 3rd, or I know that July 3rd, June's in the spring technically, July 3rd is in the summer. Now, before us, the best scientists and the best astronomers over the history of time have figured it out. I find amazing. They figured out the year to the second. The year that we go through on Earth, right, the calendar year, and they even knew to add a day in February every four years. But you realize that if we were even a minute off, then by this point, thousands of years later, the winter would be the summer, right? You know, if we were a minute off, it would overlap every year and it would just change, but we're not. We're to the second. We know exactly, and that's amazing. So if you believe that science then believe Dr. Fauci when he says that the coronavirus is airborne and we shouldn't have gatherings, right? I think I was getting a little bit over the top with the climate change because I get, I get both sides of that argument. But, you know, scientists, whether or not they say why, whatever, but scientists, you know, if 99% of them say that the climate's changing, then it probably is. I don't want to get political because a lot of livelihoods or people kind of take me wrong. I'm not getting on the whether or not we should drill for oil. That's not what I'm saying. Clearly, we're in a time that the climate's changing, right? It's not a divisive or polarizing comment. I just mean it's changing. Why? Whatever. But it is. And that's, that's scientists have led me to believe that because I believe them. And I believe that when I go to bed, the sun's going to come up at the time it says it's going to come up because the scientists that know better than me have left me with that knowledge, right? So it's just really a long way around saying, you know, dinosaurs happened. Now, I, I don't want to insult anybody on this, and I don't do it to get political, do these podcasts, but, you know, I, I hope there's no one out there that, is upset for me in stating that dinosaurs happen. I believe that to be fact. I, like, I really do. And I don't believe the Earth was created in seven days. There's just too much science and too many laws of nature that we've figured out through science and deductive reasoning. Now, if there is an all-creator, whatever you want to call him or her, Yahweh, Buddha, God, Jesus, the Messiah, whatever, then it would, it would seem very contradictory for him or her to give us the gift of thought and rational thinking and not want us to use it. Wouldn't it? 
these are ponderables. Um, I don't say this with hate or just, you know, I know lots. Again, my mom's included in this. She's very religious. She goes to church every Sunday. Sometimes she goes in on a Tuesday. And I, I don't disagree with that. Some people need it. It's like me meditating to the Beatles Abbey Road or something. Right? I'm not saying that the Beatles are my God, but it's, it, 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 it brings out a level of spirituality in me. And when I breathe slowly and I listen with my eyes closed, it doesn't have to be the Beatles. I often do it with rock albums. Other people do it with these breathe deep, um, kind of uh, ever healing, kind of emotional nature uh, CDs or, or playlists or whatever that you might hear in a, you know, in a doctor's office or in a getting a medical massage or something like that. Um, actually, you'd probably hear them at the rub and tug too, really, wouldn't you? Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm just saying. So I consider that spiritual. And I feel, you know, everybody's different, but when I do it, and sometimes, you know, it takes half a joint as well to open my mind a bit. And again, I'll ask people is to be open-minded. Um, sometimes I say that shit and I'll get people, even relatives, Jerry, you shouldn't talk about drugs. Well, look, again, where are we? Human history, we've done lots of drugs and we've experienced them with a lot. And we eat lots of things that fuck up our minds, uh, whether it's drugs um, that we're given or whether it's fucking... Uh, you know, shit that they put in, they process foods with, uh, you know, whatever that makes us sick, whatever. I'm not saying I sit here and do fucking E, e every goddamn night and watch TV or anything. I'm just saying sometimes to help me relax, I smoke, I always have, uh, well, the last 15 years or so, uh, you know, half a joint, might have a cup of tea or something. And then I put on candles. Uh, I often get in the bath, but I'll just put on then, a CD of choice. And again, it doesn't have to be, it, it often is meditation type stuff, but sometimes it's John Prine, right? Sometimes John Prine's lyric, sometimes a lyricist doesn't have to be famous either. Um, locally, there's a band called the fortunate ones. Uh, I find their music to be very peaceful and can get me to another place. And to me, that's being spiritual. And I'm not, pig-headed enough to think that I'm definitely right. And you might be right. Moses might have parted the Red Sea. And Noah might have had an ark. And he might have done all that. I, I make a joke of it. You know, I know two people tune in to be amused and, uh, you know, to hear an interview. But I, I, I just, I make a joke of it. But honestly, I don't hate people that do believe in Noah's ark, though. I think everybody should be accepted. I'm trying to give you the, like, it just, I'll go so far, man. I'll even go so far... I don't know. Like, I don't particularly think Jesus, like I said, was the son of God, but he could have been. I mean, I, I really don't know. And what is God? That's such a, a vague kind of omnipresent entity that I, I don't really know. Like God, we we're here. So to me, there's, there is a God. Yeah. Whatever fucking put us here. It could be a lightning bolt and it could be the big bang, but yeah, the definition of God also is, is could go in any direction. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think to, to bring this full circle, I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. I'm rambling. There's something to it, though, and I think I'm identifying with some of you guys, judging by the emails and shit I get. I tend to do this a lot, I guess. You know, when I sit there and I, I, I guess I get here because I often think about, you know, 
the, the ins and outs of life and what it's all about and, you know, why we need to be good people. Um, and something spiritual takes me back to being positive. There's a karma to it. There's something, you know, when I think of my happy places, whether that be watching the sun go down in Nevada, close to the Grand Canyon, I remember that, drove down there in Colorado Springs, whether that's the Northern Lights that I first saw with my own eyes on a road trip in the up around Fort St. John area when I was a kid playing junior hockey. You know, Niagara Falls, whatever, these, these, these pictures in my head of nature combined with uh, music, again, getting back to like John Prine. I, I know some people might put themselves in a spiritual situation, a meditative situation. They might go, you know, John Prine. Well, yeah, but a good lyricist also to me is, is like looking at a rainbow or a sunset or the nicest waterfall because you're here, it's nature. John Prine writing Christmas in Prison or Dear Abby or Picture Show, is the, he's the best at his craft. I'm looking at nature. It, it's no different to me than an, a crazy, fantastic, awesome, and I'm using these words not always in a positive way, but just like a na na an explosion or an earthquake. You know, it's nature's forces. Wow. Well, to me, that's Bob Dylan or it's... Or it's John Prime, whatever happened, that entity was born, he grew, he wrote, or a voice like Alison Krauss, right? That came out of nature. It's no different to me to, than, than watching a beautiful rainbow unfold. And that's why. I couldn't just put on new kids on the block. No, nothing against them, right? It's, it's, it becomes noise when I'm trying to meditate. But a good singer-songwriter, just human, or even sometimes a radio show from the 1930s, right? It'll just take you to a place in human history. Anyway, can, can you guys tell that I smoked half a joint before I started this? Because I have, I have no notes made. I have no idea um, what connected these dots other than my grandmother's cooking when I was a kid. I sometimes press record and don't know what's going to come out of me. <laughs> and I've made notes here and I've followed none of them. Uh, but anyway, we had a great guest coming. And I can't wait to talk to him. And I have no idea how long I've been talking. Like I said, it, I think it's been long enough. Um, and I hope all of you are, sorry, I hope all of you are staying safe. So, uh, and yeah, you know what? One second, before we get to that, I always leave uh, this to the end, uh, but I'm going to toss it in the middle here. Just an ad read for Southern Scholar. And they're unbelievable dress socks. I mean that. Uh, so Southern Scholar uh, has reinvented the dress sock to form fit your foot and stay up your leg. Guaranteed, guaranteed they're the best dress socks you've ever worn or your money back. Use promo code THPN for $5 off your next purchase at Southern Scholar Socks. So listen, I'm not kidding. Southern Scholar Socks, I would be on here and I would pump their tires anyway because they're paying us here at the Hockey Podcast Network. But I have a bunch of pairs and they actually are good. I, I love when I actually had to have the ad uh, read an ad about something I support because I do it anyway. I'm a sellout. 
Um, kidding. Well, no, not really. Uh, so Southern Solder Socks. And remember, Penny Posh. Remember Penny Posh hoodie? I've already done the read before. You guys check into it. If you order one, though, they're almost half price, $69.99, marked down from $129.99. Order one, and I'm throwing in a signed pitcher. Senior, my dad is throwing in a signed pitcher, and I'm throwing in a signed hockey card. We've got some great feedback so far, and I posted some of it. Just uh, follow me on Instagram and whatnot. Penny Posh Designs. Also, check out the Penny Princess Penny Podcast. Um, my daughter does a podcast, Princess Penny Podcast. We're going to do uh, what we have been doing one a week. She's got some interesting guests, and honestly, it was, there was no school, so I sent it to her teachers, and they think it's a great idea to do some educational kind of things before the school year ends, and so do I, and Penny Lane wanted to do it anyway. She loves it. Uh, Patreon. You want to donate? Patreon.com slash the Hockey Podcast Network. Patreon.com slash the Hockey Podcast Network. Okay. Stay tuned. Can, Killer Ken Reed, be right with us. Looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show. He is a humble host, an amazing analyst, a Sportsnet sorcerer, a respected writer, courteous collector, a shinny sharpshooter, a fabulous fundraiser, a personable pal. This guy has sick flow and he comes from Picto. He's not a security guard, and he writes book about, books about hockey cards. You wanted an author? No sweat. I got the best one over at Sportsnet. John Prine's gone to heaven, and I've known this guy since 2007. He bears no relation to Billy the Kid, but he does have a snappy 80s Jofa lid. Tell all the folks in Timmins his favorite goalie mask is Cobra Simmons. Ever hear stories about Dean Colstad's do? Check it out in Hockey Card Stories too. He doesn't own a tiger, but here's the thing. If he did, we'd be calling him the king. For my family and friends, I'd sweat and bleed. This guy's no exception. My pal, here is Ken the Killer Reed. How does that stack up there? (laughs) Best intros east of Montreal, buddy. I don't know how you do it. Pull it off every time, little pal. Well, it's good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Um, I, I, I know these podcasts are recorded and they can play on forever, but I just want to send some love to everybody in Nova Scotia. Um, it's a day after everything that went down, and I know that's a top somber note to start on because we tune into things like this to distract us from reality. But I'm absolutely heartbroken for my home, and uh, I just I don't even know what to say or what to do, but I just want to send some love to everybody at home, buddy. Yeah, I uh, said the same thing. I just did a bit of a preamble, and I didn't know. On one hand, I, would, I didn't want to give this guy the credit, and, and I know that people tune in to be uh, distracted uh, more often than not in an amusing way. But, yeah, it, you, it's, it's your home, and this must be a crushing day. I don't want to get into it, but I want to give it respect. So thoughts and prayers with everybody in Nova Scotia affected. Well, people across the world are affected to everyone. And Ken, if you want to say anything, go ahead. If not, we'll get into it. Only thing I'd like to say, TR, is you're right. I don't want to give this jerk credit. And I thought, oh, God, am I really in the mood to do a podcast today? But I thought, you know what? Screw that a-hole. I'm not giving him the right to change how I feel. And I just want to give a big hug to everybody back home because, uh, I mean, it's like where you're from, TR. Everybody knows everybody. And if you don't know people directly, you'll know someone who knows them, right? Yeah. So. Just a big hug to everybody, and uh, it's friggin' awful. We take pride, uh, like you do, TR, where you're from. You don't lock your door, right? You, you help yeah. your neighbor. This is just 
it's so awful. I don't want to get into it, but um, I just want to remember the, the victims and uh, send them lots of love. So that's that. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to give this jerk any more um, publicity than he needs because I'm not going to say his name. Yeah, fair enough. And I won't either. And I haven't. Okay, so let's start. Uh, good job, too. Uh, okay, let's start it out. So I got some questions. We're going to mix this up. For those of you that follow this program, you probably know that Ken was on my other show, Third Man In, and he was also our first guest on Tales with TR. But Ken is, um, so if, you, if you're into the chronological story of his life, maybe tune into one of those. But Ken's going to be, uh, well, he is, has been back multiple times, so we're just going to shoot the shit. Great hockey mind, and again, Lots of great sports books. Uh, most of the questions today come uh, by root of the Hockey Card Stories books, of which there are two volumes, soon to be a third, and they are just awesome. So, soon to be a third. I'm not writing another one, am I? Yeah, you are. You know you are. Come on. I could say soon to be a third, and knowing that soon in the book world is within five years, and I know, I know that you're going to have out a Hockey Card Stories three. I would say coming sometime not soon but in the future four and five yes i totally would because hockey cards are seemingly never well they are never ending your passion is never ending and you only you know a book fill what fills up a book 50 not even 30 there's uh, 59 it's my rocky tr it is my rocky i'll be doing this forever right I, i'll i'll go off i'll do first blood i'll do my throw mama from the train <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right? Yeah. I don't know if I throw mama from the train. I hope I haven't written it yet. But uh, <laughs> my, my would be One Night Only was First Blood. You know, like there's, there's a lot of them out there. What, what One other? Night Only was a fantastic book. I just, for, for the longevity of the series, you could do hockey card stories. That's why I think it's brilliant. You could, you could just keep going and, and you wouldn't be milking it. For some reason, like even the last Rambo, I watched it just, just for the B-movie satisfaction and and you know i find all the cheesy parts almost good there's a few movies yes. that actually turn the corner and that's one of them that it's yes. so bad it's good but you know he's got to still keep writing so and, and the final rockies in these series and if you want to include creed they're awesome but he has to keep writing these for you it's still the same refreshing look on various people's take on their own hockey card um mm -hmm. I, you know what it's we'll start there so are you still intrigued by it Yes. You know what I love about a TR, and I think you'll relate to this. Um, you and I are, I guess, I mean this in a flattering way. We're childlike. We have fun. Yeah. We're not afraid to be the entertainment at the party. Um, and I loved my childhood. And hockey cards were a massive part of my childhood. So it was hockey, obviously. And they are, for me, a link to my childhood. So for me, if I'm you know, if I'm bored or I don't really have much to do, and I've seen a lot of people do this during this COVID-19 quarantine crisis, they're locked down. A lot of us are going back to just stuff around the house that kept us entertained, right? Oh, you can't go and meet your buddies. Um, a lot of us are digging up our own hockey, old hockey cards. And for me, they were always a link to my childhood. Even when I stopped, quote unquote, stopped collecting during my 20s and most of my 30s, um, when I'd go back home, I'd look at the cards and just kind of, sit there and reminisce and for me um any old piece of cardboard can be a length of my childhood so i think that's why i'll always have 
the appetite for it. And uh, you can learn too, because I mean, I didn't know about Bob Gassoff till one night I was out at Jeff Merrick's. From Cornell, BC, baby. There you go. I learned about him when I was 14. I'd never heard of him, if you can believe that. And then I heard all these stories and through you, keep going. Right. And so I never heard about Bob Gassoff till I was out at Jeff Merrick's house one night. We're watching all these old hockey tapes and he gets into the St. Louis Blues and how they were the reason the Broad Street Bullies came around. And then I go home and I look through a bunch of my old cards. I got some Bob Gassoffs and I'm like, this is hockey history, right? Um, so I can learn from them and I can reminisce with them, which is something I truly love because I am a huge fan of hockey history. And uh, for me, they're a link to my childhood and they're a link to the history of the game. And I think that's why I get such a kick out of them. I like it too. I often say to people, you know, um, people would all, will often say compliment my dad or, or, or me. I don't, but you know, whatever. On maybe my knowledge of a certain subject in history, but I'll be like, well, yes, but I also watched Eight Men Out. And if you follow like movies, if you follow either the period pieces that, or even better yet, movies that just came out at the time that weren't intended to give you any uh, insight into the period, but where they came out. So you can often follow, say, pop culture. If you watch music or movies, you will find out a lot of what was happening at that time just by osmosis. Because you're the same thing with hockey cards. You don't necessarily need to know who won the Stanley Cup or who was the MVP was in a particular season. But if you watch, say, every hockey card in 79 or 80, you'll find out what sticks they used. You'll find out which uh, starting goalies. You'll, f you'll find out a lot about the game if you only looked at hockey cards. Like if you only watched the history of movies in the 20th century, you still would gather through it all. You would find out about the World Wars and you would find out about um, the sports achievements, right? The same thing with hockey cards. Now, the, the second part, that was just a comment that because I'm hogging your airtime. But the question there was, Sorry. today you, you put out a... Hey, Harry, <laughs> if I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? It does. I really appreciate that. That's a nice way to look at it. You know where that quote's from, right? Tell me you do. If I'm here. If I'm here and you're here. Doesn't that make it our time? Spicoli, Fast Times at Richmond High. Oh, yeah, I should not. Now that you say it, now that you say it. <laughs> and my favorite, my uh, favorite, one of my favorite songs came out of that movie by Jackson Brown. Do you know the song? Got to be somebody's baby. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah, I rewatched again recently, and I'd forgotten that that's where the song came from. Well, at right. least I think it is. And I know apparently he wrote it about Daryl Hannah. But, but, oh, really? yeah. Spicoli so gives that quote when he orders the... Uh, yeah. Pepperoni double sausage in Mr. Hans history. In a very stone, stoner voice, does he ever? Maybe that's why I didn't do it. I didn't get the. the <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I was what, what one of the fans asked, and I was curious about. You did a thing on your to expand on your hockey card knowledge, and what you're doing now to make this topical. You're doing a show for Sportsnet, if you want to say that, aren't you, about hockey cards? And you opened it up with your ten favorite goalie cards, but there was one that wasn't on a card, the Cobra mask. Can you explain yeah. that? So this is, yeah. So the last little while I did a couple of videos released. There's a couple more that we've already recorded that they come out each Sunday on sportsnet.ca. Thanks for okay. the plug. And it's just uh, 10 of my favorite hockey cards about any subject. So one subject was my 10 favorite tough guy cards. And another one was my 10 favorite masks on a hockey card. So, of course, I get everybody chiming in. What about the Joe Gratton mask, you moron? And I go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. with a mask, is it on a hockey card? 
I'll carry it in my collection from back in the day. Well, what about this mask? It doesn't appear on a hockey chart, so it didn't make my list. Well, what about this mask? It's my list. I can have whatever the hell I want on it, so mm -hmm. it's my list. I do appreciate people coming in and chiming in, but when people chime in telling me an idiot and they're an idiot, and they, but they don't listen to the context of the list, I, I, get, I get a little touchy. So anyway, yeah, Gary the Cobra Simmons, uh, one of the best masks in the history of the National Hockey League, easily, uh, and the World Hockey So uh, No, WHA, no. This uh, Cobra was uh, NHL, but he yeah, yeah. got the nickname Cobra when he was in Phoenix, um, pre-NHL. Anywho, classic mask. Literally, it's exactly what you think. It's a big Cobra right down the middle of the mask. Unfortunately for the Cobra, whose rookie card was in the 74-75 set, his mask never appeared on a hockey card back then. As you know, TR, a lot of the cards in the 70s were those old poses. So a lot of the times it was just the goalie sitting on a stool and you wouldn't even know he was a goalie until you read it. But yeah. the, the coin never showed up on a hockey card. Uh, that classic Jill Gratton mask. And I'm telling you, we're, we're doing this with each other, right? But not everybody can see us at home. But look, it's even in the closet. I got the replica of it. Where'd you get that? Hey, check it out. It. Not everybody can see it, but it'll give somebody to do. Lord knows we've got time on our hands. Google it. Now, where'd you get that? I got this at the Sports Card Expo. It's a Jean wow. mask. It's a model of his mask. So that just sits uh, in the old man cave. It's got a crack in it now that I look at it. But anyway, this mask never appeared on a hockey card, but it's one of those classics, right? So, uh, unfortunately for Gary Simmons, his Cobra mask never appeared on a card, but I just listed off my favorite masks that appeared on a hockey card. So, and, I, and trust me, there was tons that didn't make the list. I mean... But I also like the fact that, like, my favorite was Doug Favell, right? It's not one that comes to mind right away, but it just looked good on the card, the way the colors went. Ron Lowe had a good one. Yeah. What was the Pittsburgh? You, you posted a Pittsburgh one. Um, you you yeah. called him the, 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 the great goalie on bad teams or something. There, yeah. And there was a bunch good of those. Bad, yeah. Good bad goalie. Uh, Michelle Dion, he was an all-star in 82. He had the awesome duckbill mask like Mike Liu used to wear. But he painted it up nice. Uh, Joe Malosh wasn't on the list, but there's another good goalie on a bad team. As, as Jeff Merrick often states that if he was on the Montreal Canadiens, he'd be in the Hall of Fame, and I, I believe that as well. But I think the 70s, as, as you said earlier, going on about how you, you can tell you a certain, uh, certain um, something about that decade or that time just from looking at cards or looking at movies. When you look at cards in the 70s, uh, what stands out to me is the game took on a bit of a – more of a individual tone. Like you could start to be yourself a little bit. You could paint your mask and stand out. You could grow a mustache or long hair and stand out. Not everybody had the brush pad, right? If you look yeah. at hockey cards in 1968, everybody's got a brush pad. WHA comes along. They add, you know, orange uniforms. Uh, they add some color and some flair. The sideburns come out. The mustaches come out. And guys started to look a little more like your dad back in the 70s, as opposed to what your dad probably looked like when he played for the Hamilton Red Wings in junior, right? You're right. That's a good point. And hockey, I think, giving my knowledge of that era, was a little bit late to that. Um, was, yeah. Right? Yeah, you, yeah. If you, even if you relate music to it, because that whole, um, you know, the, I guess the, the, the woke culture of that time, yeah, you know, it was coming out of the structuralist 50s and leave it to Beaver, you know, the... The father goes to the job and the mother has, you know, women don't work for sure. And they got the supper ready and, you know, a little beaver comes in. 
anyway, that's the Structuralist fifties, but the, 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 I give the Beatles a lot. That's why I like the Beatles so much. And, you know, color TV, there was more than that. There was people, Bob Dylan, we're starting to expand people's minds, but that whole culture, grow your hair long. And you know, the hippie kind of thing came in a little bit before. And maybe there's, maybe there's a book there. I don't know, but a little bit, it, it crossed over into hockey, maybe five or six years later, when we look back, it certainly seems to have happened at the same time. If you really study history, hockey was a little late. And yes, yeah. to me, I use the word cartoonish. It started to become cartoonish in the, in the uh, 70s. And while, while everywhere else, that was a sign of hippie culture and peace, love, and understanding, hockey went completely, the, while the off-ice was like that, and it seems to be, people were happy and partying and seemed to be smiling and some of the great characters. But what was taking over was the broad street bullies. In, yep. in total contradiction to everything else and every other movement uh, that was happening, hockey went the other way. Uh, what is your favorite card out of that era? And especially uh, topical since you just came up with the Tough Guy collection. Yeah, my favorite card from that era, man. It's hard to narrow it down to just one, but there was a book about uh, baseball kind of catching up with America in, in that, you know, the Astro turf, the 70s and stuff. I mean, baseball and hockey were the two ones slow to the party for me. But yeah, you're Joe right. Joe Namath had his sideburn sitting by the pool, right? Hockey didn't have that guy until Derek Sanderson came along. Yeah, I'm, pit I'm picturing, yeah, they didn't. I'm, in my head, I was yeah. thinking, I was picturing of my knowledge of football and basketball from that. And, and there were, there were yeah. prominent players in both that Don't seemed name. to be hippie-like in the 60s. Right. So there's yeah. some guys in front of the curb. Joe was in front of it. But then Derek Sanderson came along and hockey caught up. But, man, there's so many great cards from the 70s. My favorite eras, for, for, in terms of style, I mean, it's, it's got to be the 70s for me. I, I just loved everything about the 70s. I was born in 74, so I, I don't remember much of it. But I, I, I love my disco, right? I'm not ashamed to admit that. Yeah. I could listen to the 10-minute, 52-second version of uh, Disco Inferno all day. Not the <laughs> Well, you usually smile, right? I often say about disco. Yeah. Say what you exactly. want. Puts but, me in the mood. I look, at, I look at it like most of it, like a good B movie. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. In terms of favorite cards, though, I'd say the style from the 71-72 set. That was the one with the big lettering over the top. And Gretzky's year. I like that one a lot. But, you know, yeah, 70s to me, um, hockey went from black and white to color, right? Guys were just more colorful. And I'm sure a lot of the guys that were, that were colorful characters are, were still, still ostracized the way some still are today, right? Well, um, uh, you... Still boxing deep for a lot of people, right, Terry? Totally. That's why if people haven't listened yet, listen to our interview with Eddie Shack and Ken on Third Man In uh, about six, seven months ago. That was just great. And there's, I won't explain any further. I'll let Eddie do it because uh, he talks about that very question quite a bit. Adam Greenway wants to know now that we're on, well, we're on this because I'm going to remove, I'm going to take us in a different direction in a second, but he wants to know what's your favorite hockey card set. And Adam's from Edmonton. Yeah, Adam, I'd say it would be the 7980 set. Um, if wow, I ran, that's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, top three come to mind would be 7980, um, just the Gretzky up here, because I, I just love that set. Um, along with you say this, the guys look different, right? You buy a, a card set now, photography's fantastic, but everybody in the set wears the same kind of helmet, or at least the helmets all look the same. Right, and that 79-80 set to what you're got, you were saying, there was guys in Makita helmets, Gretzky helmets, Bell Bridgman, Coho, like everything. Um, my other top sets would be the 71-72, that beautiful lettering I talked about. That's the LeFleur rookie. 
Uh, Got to give a nod to 8485 OPG. You know those ones, TR, with the little headshot in the corner? Yeah. Like Geiserman rookie, the Gilmore rookie that year. So those would be uh, those would be my top three from the era. I was almost 11. I wasn't around for the 71, 72. But I also love the uh, uh, 64, 65 Parkers. Uh, some glorious shots. And I'll give a nod to uh, – Bobby Orr's rookie year, 65-66, where it's a TV background. The guys all look like they're in TV. I thought that was pretty cool for the time. So those would be my top five, right off the top of me. Interesting. And uh, if I may uh, interject for one minute. So I have the 64-65 Parkhurst set. I've got the Canadians set. I got every Canadian in mint on the wall framed. I don't have the set. But you know what I found the other day? Going In this time, I'm actually more busy. Because I've taken on so many projects here around the house yeah. that, that had to be done. And, you know, people are asking me, I'd rather be outside. And each day I have to go outside and at least walk or I'm going to lose my mind. But all these little projects, right, like these VHSs that need to be tr- transferred over and whatever it might be. And I feel responsible. I got a bunch there from Tri-Cities. For example, BJ Young, I got some of his tapes over there. You know, uh, God rest his soul. And I'm like, I'm the only one with these. So right. I need to put out footage. So. And I'm trying to go through with all my old junior tapes. I'll put some up on, on YouTube. I'm sure you've noticed on Instagram. But that's where all that's coming from. But anyway, anyway, so I was looking for cards because I used to be a big collector with my buddy Jeremy Charles, who you know. And, JC's uh, back too. Yeah, JC's a huge collector. Yeah, he was showing me some of his. You still there? Still here. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was... Um, he, he got me into it, so and he was really, really into it. Jeremy, when he sets his wife's such a good cook, like when he sets his mind on something, he's into fishing while he ties his own flies, and he's like spends hours and hours being meticulous. He was like that with hockey cards. So I got, like, he would go get the books. Remember those books that would rate them and say? Yeah, the Beckett's. The Beckett books, yeah. So he would have those, and he'd do the homework, and then I'd just kind of ride his coattails into the store. And that's how we got, we, back in the day, we made so much money off the John Slaney cards, so much with our, because around here, I told the story on our the third man in, but you know, John Slaney scored the big goal for Canada and around here in, in junior in 91, 92, I think it was in Saskatoon, but around here, his card was $25 and everywhere else yeah. it wasn't, but there was no internet or anything. I'm sure it was more than five cents that we might've been a dollar, yeah. but we, we, we would phone our friends on the mainland, get them to get it, send it to us. So we had a, even a format. Right. Yeah. And we got a couple of Gretzky rookies out of it. But anyway, I'd forgotten the extent of our collecting. So I went into my old toy box the other day looking for these videos that I was going to send the Tri-City Americans and BJ's family, amongst other things I was looking for, you know, old jackets and whatnot. And I found my old hockey cards, and I've got 91-92, every single card in the set in immaculate condition in a box, uh, pro set. And is that worth anything? Like pro Uh, set, they came in and out, didn't they? Three dollars on the firewood market. Yeah. So what? What was the story with those? Because Dad was asking me, and I have. I said I don't really know. I said they're upper deck. I don't know why I kept these. I think it's because I liked Eric Lindros, and he had a he had a card in there, and I just you could buy the whole set, so I did, and they just happened to be there. But I said I don't think that's worth much. Like they, you know, overproduced. Right. That was the boom era when everybody collected, so they were overproduced. Plus, everybody got them and put them in protective sleeves thinking that they're going to be worth something. So the reason that cards from back in the day were worth something is when guys got them, they played with them. They weren't overly produced to the extent that they were in the late 80s and early 90s. 
So the battery card kept was in mint condition if it was kept at all. So there was a shortage created and, and also a shortage of cards that were in great shape as opposed to your pro set cards, which were, uh, they had to be on a factory floor 24 seven being printed off and everybody got them and everybody kept them in good shape. Therefore everyone has them. There's no demand. Therefore they're not worth much. <laughs> That's funny. I was, I, I was in the room with um, senior and I was, I, I just said that I was looking at them all the other day. I was sitting on, you know, on the floor of my old childhood room explaining yeah. that. And I, I was mystified and he, just, he was just, he was eating an orange and he just came in and he was eating it like an apple. Like he doesn't take slices out. He peels it and then he eats the orange like an apple. And he's sitting there, it's just all over his face. And he's like, well, of course. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, like these, these, they're probably worth something. And then we started talking about like a Gretzky rookie. And he goes, yeah, but he goes the Gretzky rookie and all. He goes, all those fucking cards. He goes, you guys were throwing them at the wall. It's harder to get, it's harder to get a good one from that collection. So he goes, I'm guessing a Mark Messier too. They're probably all worth more than the pro set. I was like, yeah, you're right. The reason yep. that these are worth so much is because our my primary use for hockey cards were to line them up on the wall at recess and lunchtime at school at St. Pons and to play knockdowns and knock the shit out of the very things that you were collecting. Exactly. So they all got bent to hell. But they're still fun to look at. Not everything has to be worth money. But again, now I've learned two more things about Senior. He would make an outstanding economist, and his never-ending fight against scurvy continues. <laughs> yes, I'll tell him that. Maybe that's another T-shirt. <laughs> um, have you ever been in a bar fight? Who's that from? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, everybody's been. In. I'm from Pecto County, for God's sake. This, 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 you don't have to comment on uh, how either one of them went. This is from Carl in Winnipeg. Uh, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm from Pecto County. Um, <laughs> Put it this way. Uh, I'm guessing college. I, I guess if I, the way I would put it is uh, I haven't been in a lot of bar fights because I'm not good at it. But I've been <laughs> a couple of shots back in the day. Sure. Who hasn't? But he who was without sin cast the first stone to Uh Fair enough. Have you ever yeah. been to the opera? I have been to the opera when my wife and I moved to Toronto. She said, oh, my goodness, isn't this awesome? We can go to like, things like the opera and blah, 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 stuff like that. So I thought, well, I remember her mentioning that. She what wants happened? to go to the opera to be cultured. So I got us tickets. We went, and that intermission she wanted to leave, she said, this is boring. I go, well, obviously it's boring, but we're here. I'm staying till the end. So, yes, I have been to the opera. So you've been to the opera on one occasion. I would have said none. I'm very impressed. That was my I question. Did. Yes, one, another one of my questions, if you could change one part of your face, what would it be? Well, change one part no, of No, you know what? Face. You have to change one part of your face. I'm, I'm rephrasing my question. So what's I, it going to be? Even if you, I, you've got to pick the lowest common or the least part I, of your face that you I have. know exactly what I'd change. I'd give my skin pigment so I didn't look like pale white guy, white, white wow. folks. I have a skin condition called vitiligo which is zap me of all my skin pigment. Naturally, I'm actually pretty dark, but as you know, I kind of look very whited out. Guys call my legs out of bounds. Interesting, yeah. You're a good-looking guy, but you are pasty. So, yeah. interesting. Pasty's a compliment, yeah. So, I would, I would go with skin pigment. Okay. Uh, Danielle in Grand Falls. If you had 10 breakaways on David Ayers, how many do you score? I like that question. Uh, uh -huh. Well, maybe one. I mean, like, are we talking current me or 
be when I could play. No, we're more. talking current you, but but David Ayers is also forty three. Yeah, but David faces NHL guys all the time. Well, uh, maybe. Yeah. There is that. You play the odd charity tournament. I think you could. I think you could score a couple though. You've seen me miss a net on the penalty shot. I've seen that, but uh, you know you're going to whack it in there, and nothing against. I, I assume I can't put words in Danielle's mouth, but she picked David Ayers. Not in a yeah. bad way. Like, yeah, he played in the NHL, but, you know, it's not. I'll go maybe one, with all respect to David. But uh, David's probably stopping 10 out of 10. I've seen but... you play. I'm saying three. <laughs> well, you've I'm seen saying... the half. I think you but... could get three. But I'm like, uh, you've seen me. I'm like a Mike Bossy type, right? I don't even look. It's just off the stick because, what is that? That's right. Yes. I got that note. That's I've true. Never I, I'm, I'm giving you three. Put Bossy on a breakaway. He might not snipe as you know what I'm saying, Pierre. Oh, yeah. It puck squirts out front, and it's in. Bingo. Give him all that time to think. Exactly. Like, like Dennis Maroop once told me, if you got to look, it's too late. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I, to be honest with you, I think a lot of scorers would probably prefer uh, one I know definitely, Michael Ryder, one of the best shots. Yeah. Definitely the best shot from Newfoundland that I can think of. That yeah. Underrated. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man, that's what he did. He was he was a paid, he was a hired professional goal scorer. I yeah, just a sniper. Yeah, not saying he's bad at the other things, but the other things didn't get him to the NHL. It was that unbelievable shot. Look back on Mike Bossy, his goals. Just go look at a montage of Bossy goals. Look how many goals he scored in the middle of the net. Just getting rid of it. Now he could also pick a corner. There was that goal he had against Buffalo, or pardon me, Boston. Pete Peters in '83. They had it on Sportsnet the other night. Just a snipe. Yeah. But you're right. There's always should always should be room for guys like Michael Ryder. Like look, Luke Robitaille. What did they say about him? Oh, he's too slow. Yeah, but he can put the friggin' puck in the net. I hate that too slow thing. But I, I know I'm. It. That's that's right up your alley. That was the knock on me. I had Tucker, Darcy Tucker on. And with yep. Tucker, I could, it wasn't even now he's too slow. It was his style, and I never got that. People said that about Rick Tockett at first. I'd be like, oh, his style? Who cares? And oh, Tucker does look weird skating around. They said it about Turner Stevenson, who's got a Stanley Cup. Right? Yep. Like, I often found that now, of course, there's a level of agility to it, but if you can get there quick and you have decent agility, these guys are NHL players. Tuck's had 20 goals five times. Who yep. cares about the style? <laughs> You know what the first thing I see every time I see Darcy Tucker, the first thing I say to him is? Yeah. Tucker! He has the best Bob Cole name ever. Tucker! Like, you look back at all Darcy's best highlights, it's Cole, he's just going, Tucker! <laughs> and, and only Bob Cole could bring such life to a two-syllable name. Absolutely. You know? Two-syllable. Exactly. Tucker. Um, okay. You're from Picto. That fight that you and Darcy talked about, the Chris Murray one. Did you see that? Oh, mercy. Were they both chucking or what? I, it was, And that was like back in the day when, you know, I, the only fights that I saw were from old highlights or if I watched the NHL that night. There was sure. no YouTube. There, there was only VHS. So on, yeah. unless someone ran it on one of those channels or you or happen to get yeah. Uh, Rock'em, yeah yeah Rock'em Sock'em or something so um if you yeah yeah exactly we would often share videotapes that's how I knew Bird Dog that's how I got into Greg Smith Bird Dog yeah so I was like videotape going around but other than that you didn't see it so 
I could hear that Wade Belak fought Rocky Thompson in Medicine Hat, and it had right. just this story that would gain momentum, but no one ever saw it happen. No one now you see it all. Yeah. So at the time. I had heard about this. Now, the game was on TV, but for some reason we couldn't see it, and it was just all over the news. So it was on the French channel as well a bit later because the Memorial Cup that year, I believe, was in Quebec. So I, I saw it on the French channel, and then all of a sudden, you know, again, no text messages, so you got to pick up the phone. The phone must It was one of those nights that the phone kept ringing. And again, yeah. I played in the Western League, so the Newfoundlanders are looking at it going, have you ever played this guy, Chris Murray? You know? It was that kind of thing with technology, just a shade of a hair into the past, but that's yeah. the way it went. So I ended up, um, I paid my buddy, to be honest, to send us a copy. And we saw that that summer on Friday nights at seniors about 20 times if we saw it once. And that was the first fight that I was like from a league that I played in that I remember mm -hmm. being so prominent. Now it's a dime a dozen, but check into it. Uh, those who haven't Steve versus Chris Murray. There's one shot in the fight that Murray takes. And sorry, who was the guy who was fighting Terry? Steve McLaren. And he okay. ended up being tough and pro. You can tell McLaren hits Murray and, and McLaren is thinking, okay, it's over. And you can also tell Murray gets hit and he's thinking, okay, it's over. But then Murray doesn't go down. And it's like, okay, I guess we got to keep going. Like, it was, it was and beautiful. And to give you some of the background, so I went, when I went into pro, they both, they both turned pro together. Steve McLaren was one of the toughest. He played on Philadelphia with a killer of a team. Oh, God, um, Francis Lessard, they had him, they had Francis Belanger, uh, Jesse Boris. I'm really only scratching the surface. They Dave had Dave McIsaac, you're right, they had him as well. They had Bialois, Jesus, you're right, Frank Bialois, probably the toughest of them all. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, McLaren ended up, and he was a killer throughout all that era. You can look at his numbers, he fought them all. Well, Murray, in my mind, was just a little bit better. Murr was as tough and would fight anybody. And it was probably, and he would leave himself wide open. I was on the, on the ice with him, if you wanted to see a good Murray fight. We were on the ice in Boston, and I fought Charles Paquette. He kind of threw me down. Murray fought Jeff Hodgers, who was like that era's Aaron Ashley. Like, Aaron tough. Real tough, yeah. And, 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 and tougher than he looked because he was smaller, but he was a killer. And Murr's going back and forth, and he ends up breaking his hands, but, but hand, but he's back and forth. But Murr had 30 goals in Kamloops in junior one year. And in, in Fredericton, Murr's first year pro, and he had like 27 goals. A lot of people forget that because he was – they drafted him as a tough guy. There was never any bones about it. Like everybody that knew Chris Murray when I played with him knew that he was a tough guy. But I always found it funny, and people didn't talk about how he could score because that was rare. If you can do that. And you're that tough and arguably the toughest at your craft for your age. But you can score 30? Yeah. Um, and he was done early. He, got, he, he went over to Hartford after Montreal. And Murr lives out now. He coaches in Vancouver Island somewhere. Uh, shout out. I'd, I'd love to talk to him again. Maybe, maybe I'll get him on the show. But that was it. He, he was, a, he was a, a real good hockey player. And people just kind of remember the fights. But anyway, yeah. People I'm never talk about Tiger Williams sniping 35 goals in 80-81, right? Never. Nor do they talk about Chris Nyland getting 21 or Bob Probert getting 30. And, and guess why they got them, TR? You know exactly why they got them. They had hands, but they also made room, right? They made made room. Little, that little extra bit of room, right, if you can do that, right? Yeah, that gives me uh, – I'm going to post something this week about that. Thank you for the idea. Uh, favorite pizza being from Picto, uh, well, which is back famous. In day, back in the day, it was Mia's, which sponsored my high school hockey team. 
Um, but now if I go home, I grab a slice of Acropole. So that's what I get. And dope to anyone who goes to Pickle County. What's on the pizza? Oh, oh, you mean the combination? Oh, just well, combination. I think they meant the place, but I'm asking you combination. Pepperoni, green pepper, mushroom. That's the combination of Pickle County, right? Okay. That's the combination. But if I'm ordering my own pepperoni sausage, but just a public service announcement, if you ever go to Pickle County and you want to try the Pickle County pizza, let it cool for at least five minutes or you will burn the roof of your mouth. I know I've said that before and I will continue to harp on it. But let it cool for five minutes. TR, give me one sec. I've got to get the, the charge. Yeah, take your time. Should I press pause or just commentate while he's gone? I'll just commentate. Uh, so it's 3.46 right now. It's 14 minutes till 4 o'clock. And Terry Ryan... Uh, Terry Ryan Sr. is on his way here. You know what? So he loves Peaky Blinders. Oh, yeah, the British show? He does, yeah. And, and, and so, Killer, he, like, we, love, we do our Friday thing, right? Yes. But people know that Friday Live on Instagram. Um, and actually, it's a bit of fun because it's a lot of my buddies like yourself tuning in here and there, and it puts me in touch with them again. And like seeing hanging up anyway. But, but he comes up a couple times a week anyway. Now, Sr. and my mom don't have the internet. I'll tell you, it, it's wild why. So I was on him for years. I'm like, Dad, you cheapskate. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, everybody has the internet. Like, I can't get a hold of you if I want to send you an email. But even though my mom supports Dad, and, and likewise, they've been married for 45, 46 years, you know, Dad does his thing, and so does Mom. They have different interests. But they've made a habit out of going to the library every day and really? using the computer. So whether it's the walk there or the meal they have on the way or just being at the library, it's a reason and a, that they can spend time together. So I've stopped Good. harping on it. So Senior comes here now to watch Netflix instead of, it, it's great, but it's like when George Costanza, when his, when his parents split up and, and he's like, oh God, now I got more time with each of them. It's <laughs> great, but yeah. So now Senior does the pop by far more often. He'll pop by and I live close to him. Right, so he'll pop by. Oh, just wondering, yeah. So, yeah, you watching Peaky Blinders? No, it's noon. I'm not watching Peaky Blinders. I'm cleaning up my room. I'm doing a podcast. But anyway, so he loves he can, it. I think your dad and mom are smarter than most for not having the internet. I think they're smarter than most, put it that way. He actually said that it frees his mind a bit because he's like, you know, and he'd be cut off, and then he's like, he, he, he makes sure to be informed. But he's like, I don't want, and you know the way dad is too. I believe truly, and I've seen it, when he does have the internet, he'll often go in there and just like chase knowledge and education on the internet for like eight hours. Meaning like he'll go in and like want to see what the name of one of, say, Picasso's painting is. is. And Correct. as he's doing it, he'll find out where he's from and um, one of the... Uh, stories that he wrote and then he'll go into that and find some girl that was in one of Picasso's stories and then see what the story was with her and she was followed by King Henry VIII so what and then he'll just go on and on and on and the inner uh, senior is yeah. what a heart was to Will Hunting <laughs> yes yeah you're right um, he didn't need it because he got the knowledge without it Will Hunting went to a book checked it Right, the same way you're done. See, it's the smartest man. He's seniors a sharp cookie, man. That's and he's, with too he's much, ahead of the game. Yeah, and he would, yeah, you're right. And he would, he would be over, I think he would become desensitized then because he would at all times, dad would go and sit down and then he'd see something on TV that yeah. when I, when I say 
this isn't hypothetical. I watched it happen a few years ago. He, he would always be like, oh, oh you got to check it out on the computer. So all day long, and he has to know. So in, right. again, he would say, why doesn't he just have a cell phone? Well, he just doesn't want one of those. Neither one of them have a cell phone, right? I should right. use it with all beautiful. of them. Yeah. Well, beautiful in a way. Actually, it is. I think it's brilliant. They have peace of mind. They're not totally cut off, but they're not totally turned on at all times. You know what? You, you don't need to know everything. And we're so overwhelmed with information now these days. So that's why I enjoy doing stuff like this, because you can say, yeah, we're on the Internet. We're talking, but we're, this is just a chat that we're posting for people to listen to. And people don't get together and talk enough as we've gone on about. I like it. Um, okay. Another Carl, this time in Corner Brook. Carl from Corner Brook wants to know, who your favorite villain of all time is doesn't have to be hockey. Any villain could be. Fi I'm adding that it could be fictional. Oh, I guess we got to go with Tim Doctor Hook McCracken, don't we? From Wow, great pick. You know who I picked? Rasputin. Rasputin from the Sun. Yeah, uh, really? he, he got a real bad rap. All he really did. I mean, he didn't murder anybody. He was just. He, he you know he slept around. He lied yeah. to, to get women. And right. Kind of conned his way, but. We were talking favorite ever. I, I, I hope that my relatives and my friends don't turn out like Rasputin. But if you're comparing him with Hitler, right. Mussolini, and, you know, I mean, it's Rasputin. He wanted to get laid. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Tim. Tim Russia's greatest love machine. Yes, so, uh, his greatest love machine. Tim Dr. Hook McCracken. That's, uh, that's my answer. Uh, known to take a man's eye with a flick of the wrist. And, and explain, uh, who, explain all that, because I know, obviously, but a lot of people don't. Uh, from Slapshot. He's the uh, captain and chief punk of this Syracuse team, as you know. And my greatest Tim Dr. Hook McCracken story was when I first met Jeff Merrick, we kind of bonded like the way you and I do, Terry, over hockey. And we, so. we talked a lot about Slapshot, and Jeff revealed that he'd done a banquet with the guys once. He'd known a few of them. And one day I walk home, and it's a brown manila envelope addressed to me from New York City, New York. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this? I open it up, and there it is, an 8 by 10 Tim Dr. Hulk McCracken in the pose, and it says, read, you suck, insert word, his famous phrase, and it was signed by Tim Dr. Hulk McCracken. That Beautiful. is in basement, on the wall, turned around, because my wife doesn't let it face out, because the kids would read it. So, there you go. That is a great answer, and I'm my, gaining some, some right. of my own knowledge that I won't soon forget. And a close um, second, Cuban assassin from Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling. If everybody... The Cuban would turn, he'd go heel, and then babyface. I'll go the Cuban assassin, number two. Cuban assassin. Those are uh, two great answers. Yeah. I want some, you know, I'm going to do my homework on the Cuban assassin. Yeah, well, well uh, he used to wrestle the guy from Newfoundland. Who was the big wrestler from Newfoundland? Sailor Tim or Sailor, Sailor, White. Sailor, Sailor White? Sailor White. He was in Legend. Grand Prix. He was a big dude. He was, and it's a part of history, sports history in Newfoundland that's fading fast. I think people should. Thanks for bringing that up. I'll, I'll bring him up on my next show. He's, uh, you know, there, there's a nostalgic laugh to be had, but this was a very serious professional that paved, paved roads for Newfoundlanders, man. I didn't realize. I always said his name kind of in jest, but I've, I've come to realize, doing folklore in school a few years ago, actually, I looked into sure. him. And, An absolute and, legend. Uh, okay, so you can pick one. You're born, and you've got one of these abilities. You can shoot it 105 miles an hour. You can go around the whole team like you get your finesse like Patrick Kane or Connor McDavid. You can fight like Probert, or you're, you can 
stop a puck like Patrick Waugh or Martin Berdur. Which, which power do you take and try to hone and make the NHL? What do you want to have as your power? Finesse, because I think it opens up more doors, right? Because if you can just shoot it, at some point you might have to dangle around a guy. You can just fight. Well, that won't get you too far okay. anymore. So you're saying that over – you're saying that what, one, which one of these would, would lead to the longevity in the NHL? I'm just saying what would you like to do. But, yes, okay. Yeah. So the first thing oh. came in your head, it's a, it, whatever's going to get me to the NHL the longest. That's a great – Yeah. Okay. I, think, I think in today's era, creativity. Um, look at Gretzky. He couldn't fight. Didn't have to. Finesse served him well. And remember the old ad, TR? My brother and I used to say it in road hockey when we pull up a good move, right? Dangling around a guy. Nothing less than finesse. Remember the old finesse shampoo? So we'll go with finesse. As much as I do love my hockey fights, and the reason I do love my hockey fights, because what do hockey fights do? They open the door for finesse, right? Because you can't go doing that if you got five guys trying to kill you at all times. But I will go with finesse. A hundred percent. That's a great, either one of those. I was just kind of interested on my own, what, what the answer would be. Although the question comes from Michael in Fortune Harbor. It's a great question. A few Newfoundlanders and Atlantic Canadians listening today. Take one player from another sport that you think could play the game of hockey. Oh, current athlete. I shouldn't even say player. It doesn't have to be a player. It could be a figure skater. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's go. Current athlete, one player that I think could be a good hockey player, or <gasps> the best. It, that's that's tough to even start with because if you can't skate, and most people can't to that oh. level, you wouldn't be able to play anyway. But let's just say, who from another sport do you think, if they could skate, right? Skate, if skate would be a good hockey player. Okay, off the top of my head, I will go with. Uh, let's go with JJ Watt. Uh, football player. I think he's uh, big. I think he's a team first guy. I think he's the kind of guy that uh, teams rally around. So I'll go with uh, JJ Watt, just off the top of my head. Who would you go with, TR? I love your answer because it's real. Like you could actually put him on D, teach him to skate a bit. And there, like I said, there's no out of bounds. So he would be, I was going to say Bo Jackson just because of the. <laughs> oh, oh, Bo Jackson. Holy smokes, was he awesome. He was just so good. So good. People forget, a lot of people forget about Bo Jackson uh, out there. And he was this athlete that just came along. Like someone like this comes along once in a blue moon. There are two sport athletes, but Bo Jackson was an all-star in baseball and football. Tragic uh, injury. I think it was his knee playing football, but check into this guy for for two or three years. He was just the biggest thing. There was TV commercials about him. It was everything. He was an all-star in both. Uh, It was his hip and it was the most innocent looking play, but he he just ran. He was tackled and... He kept running, but his lower body didn't, basically. He was, man, he was awesome. But, yeah, I'll go J.J. Watt. That's who I'll go with off the top of my head. Fair enough. If you could be an animal other than a human, what would you be and why? Uh, the tiger, because I'd get to meet the tiger king. That was pretty quick. You, see, yeah. you, you watched that as well, did you? The timely. Plus, I'd be the mascot of Degrassi Junior High. They were the Degrassi Tigers. So I'm going to go with tiger. But okay. Tiger, I think, you know – yeah, I was I was speculating earlier. Actually, this question comes from me because I was thinking about it in the preamble, and I don't know. Tiger seems like the obvious answer. Man, I, no matter what I was, I'd miss having hands and fingers, though. That would be go raccoon then. Uh, go chimpanzee or something. Like at really? least they can hold stuff. But then, of course, I'm assuming that I'm going to know what I know as a human mind if I'm one of those things. 
Maybe yeah. the Tigers don't want hands. They're like, I give me the claws. You're fast. You get, you get a lot of respect, which would be different for me. I'd like to change it up, you know, a little bit. You don't have a lot of people. You don't have to look over your shoulder much if you're a tiger. Never. Exactly. Can you imagine being another animal in the tiger's forest? No, wouldn't want that unless I was the lion. Yeah. So really, if you're going to talk jungle, the only answer really is one of those things. Exactly. I, I mean, That's again, if life is what you want, I could also say if you want a whole different angle, I want to be a fruit fly, so I'll die in a day and get to be something else soon. That's if you believe in reincarnation, you know. Yeah. Um, you're assuming a lot with this question anyway. You've got you to take a little bit of a leap. <laughs> Let's go Tiger King because I want to be the mascot for Degrassi Junior High. Let's go with that. And I don't want to meet the Tiger King for the record. Okay, uh, fair enough. What are the top three skills, we'll get serious for a minute, that got you where you are? And Gerald Holland from London, Ontario wants to know that. Where I lay, as far as broadcasting goes? Yes. Um, number one, being be yourself. So it's either you're either going to win with it or lose with it, but ultimately you'll find your true answer with it. So it takes a long time for people to learn to be themselves on television. Uh, it's a, it's a, it, it sounds really simple. It sounds almost like it's not a piece of advice at all, but number one would be be yourself. Number two would be listen. Uh, I yap a lot, but what, what did Gordy Howe say? He had one mouth and two eyes, something like close one, the other, something like that. So listen, I guess I should have listened to that better so I'd know it. And uh, I guess it kind of goes along the lines of be yourself. So I won't count it. I'll call it two B, but follow what you're passionate about. If you're passionate about uh, sports, don't try to be a business reporter. If you're passionate about business, don't try to be a sports reporter. And um, learn from your mistakes. So I would say, be yourself, listen, and learn from your mistakes. So hey, Jesus Christ! There you go. Maybe, maybe you should maybe you should write a philosophy book. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> That's probably next. Learn, learn yeah. be yourself. By, how, how, how original is that? Be yourself hey, with, with your thumb up. Uh, it's, Ken Reed, be yourself. It's, the, it's honestly, I tell it to every young broadcaster because every young broadcaster, they go to school, they get on camera, and they try to be a sports reporter. Like they try to be an anchorman. Yeah. Just be you, man. Audio yeah. slave, Chris Cornell, to be yourself is all that you can do. I you love know? I love your message, and I love that you uh, just brought up Audio Slave and Chris Cornell. Oh. So I got one for you. Okay. Okay. Now, there's four things happening at once, and you're looking. There's four TV screens, whatever, in this hypothetical world. Now, in one, in the prime of his career, Nolan Ryan got two outs. It's the bottom of the ninth. He's going for a no-hitter. Yeah. Or the championship. It's a big out. Yeah. Okay. Coming to the plate. Uh, who was good back then? Let's say a, a good... Right. Uh, Don Mattingly, okay? Let's say a, a guy who can get on base, not necessarily a home run hitter, um, on one channel. And then you got Wayne Gretzky. It's game seven. He gets awarded a penalty shot in overtime. Yeah. Then you've got Tom Brady, fourth down. Let's say 20 yards out, one play to win the game, Super Bowl. Then you've got Michael Jordan. The score's tied, or let's just say they're down by one. Two to make it interesting. And yeah. He's on the Chicago Bulls. Okay, now they got, they got possession. There's 20 seconds left in the game. They got possession. Now, which one of those? Now, you've got a million dollars given to you that you can bet on one of these. It's not your money. 
but it'll set your family up 10 times over. You never have to worry about anything again in this hypothetical, let's say it's $10 million. So $10 million on the line. You got to pick one of these things. They all might do it. Maybe yeah. none of them do it. Yeah. But who do you put your money on? This, it, it, by the way, Ryan got to get a fucking strikeout. Gretzky yeah. has to score. We, we, okay, Brady has to convert the touchdown. And Jordan has, to, Jordan has to sink it. It's not an assist. Yeah. Ryan has to get a strikeout or just to record it out? Ryan has to get a strikeout. Okay. Yeah. I'm putting Ryan at a strikeout. A recorded out, your, the odds are still 700 that you're going to score. Even Gretzky actually on a breakaway. Gretzky's at 30% on the shootout. Yeah, you're right. It's, he's 30%. But you know what? I'm adding it because that shows that if you pick Gretzky, Gretzky, it's actually a stupid answer, even though we Gretzky, love hockey. Gretzky self-admittedly wasn't the best breakaway guy. I thought no, no, say- no, wait, 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 wait. No, he wasn't. But he was a big-time guy. That's like, true. You know, Gretzky, gonna- Gretzky, like Lemieux, I often say, you know, first goal and his first shot, his first game, then he gets a last goal on his last, you know, yeah. Canada Cup got to come to Lemieux. Same thing with Gretzky. His 802nd goal back in Edmonton, right? He had to get the uh, 50 goals in 39 games by getting five and one. He's much, right? Put it this way. In that game, right, Lemieux, five goals, five different ways. Well, you know that in that game, the breakaway is going to go in, even though because Lemieux was clutch. Mark Crawford made this. Um, I'm going with no. I thought you were just going to say, what one are you going to watch? I was going to say, well, you know, it's Gretzky. No, you've got $10 million, and you've got to go with which one do you think is going to happen. Take science, take intuition, take analytics, take whatever you want. I'll go Nolan Ryan because it seems whenever he'd go for a no-hitter or whatever it was, it would always end in a strikeout, right? Uh, I'm going to go Nolan Ryan. Plus, he has the one statistic that has never been quantified, OMP, old man power. I'm assuming this is a 43-year-old Nolan Ryan. Uh, I'll go Nolan Ryan. Yeah, and he had a no-hitter at that age, didn't he? Um, okay, that's yep. a good – and, you know, without even knowing it, and this is pretty good because as time goes on, we get more and more into analytics. And you and I have always well, talked about analytics. I don't. And I guess that, that – yeah, because that question – well, for example, I just watched Moneyball. And, like, I get – everything is analytic. And I, I love it. I love the story of Billy Bean. But a lot of people think that I mean that you got to be one or the other. And I'm like, well, any information is analytics, really. Right. But what I'm talking about when I get, and I wasn't thinking about it when I asked you that, since, since it came up subconsciously, what I'm thinking about is that each one of those things, the stats say one thing, but each one of these play, like Gretzky getting his 800 second goal back in Edmonton, that wasn't really, I don't look at it that as analytics. In, in Oakland, sure, you had to figure out some formula. It, it, it contributed to their success. But when Scott Hatterberg gets up there and hits the home run to get their 20, you know, it's just part of the movie, part of the story. You know, there was some level of heart. And everything in when L.A. Dodgers, when, when Kirk Gibson hit the big home run, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. Everything, everything analytical, uh, who was the GM? Uh, Tommy Lasorda, I think, would have told him to do that. But he went yeah, with intuition. Yeah. All analytics would say you're insane putting um, Kirk Gibson up in that moment. The improbable, the impossible, as Ben Scully said. At times, they're a hunch, but maybe that's Lasorda's analytics are his hunch. You see what yes. I'm saying? I know exactly. Yeah. Like, people would even say to me, well, of course Lemieux scored that goal in 87. I'm like, I know, but 
analytics when analytics if i'm looking at that if you went percentages he's got to give it to murphy yeah right if yep. you were to take analytics that it's pure what you're saying in retrospect is that if someone had the puck well, I'm, I'm 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 hypothetically arguing with my friend here you know that someone had the puck that it should be lemieux and if lemieux's in a better position than gretzky and if he puts it in i'm like no no i'm not at all though that all played out and i'm just saying howard chuck had to win the face off and what's that it's not going to be like black and white every time he lift a guy's stick he went in and he, he did something unanalytical that just led to Gretzky gets the puck. Okay, now we're, we're following the two best players of their generation, whatever. Of course, Lemieux scores. But again, like I said, Murphy was open on the side of the net. And yeah. who, who's the goalie? Was it still Trecek at that point? I don't know. Um, uh, but, you know, analytics probably would have said the goalie makes that save. We can right. make everything analytic. And, of course, right. if I look at a guy or a girl uh, and I see that, you know, he or she scores – 90% of the time in this one situation, well, of course, that can help me pick her or him. Of course it can. But a lot of what happens still, and we should know this being from Canada and seeing Paul Henderson and everything else, and, and you know, so much emotion is, our, our game is based on heart so much that I find it amazing that people don't, or they, they disrespect that part of the game, like you just said. You know, Absolutely. Here's anyway, the other yes, I'll let you elaborate. I'm talking too much. But yeah, you yeah. agree, no? the heart that goes into the game but here's the other thing that they disrespect in that three-on-one for canada gretzky has the puck lemieux's the kind of the trailer murphy's the decoy doing exactly what you're supposed to do on the opposite wing without the puck go to the net now the analytics folks will say well he would have had a better chance of scoring had he passed to murphy and not to lemieux but here's what they're missing who has the greatest analytical mind in the history of hockey do you think i'm thinking it's probably wayne gretzky probably. so maybe you just take a knee and see to the fact that Wayne Gretzky's better at analytics than you are, even though maybe Wayne Gretzky doesn't on paper think he's into analytics. So my whole thing is, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm huge into this when I, whenever I talk to an ex-player on the radio or if they're on a panel with me, I, I gladly say, Terry Ryan, you know way more about the inside of the Montreal Canadiens dressing room and what it's like to be on the in the ice in the National Hockey League than I do. Why do you know more about that? Because you've done it. I can't tell you what it smells like after the first period in the Montreal Canadiens room, but you can. Therefore, my job as a broadcaster is to put it on a tee for you and not bore you down with, well, Terry, 32% of the time it suggests that shut the hell up. And you tell I my story. It. And if you want to go to analytics in your argument, then you can if you don't, my job as a broadcaster is to put it on a tee for you, not to go into some kind of pie chart telling me that I know more hockey than you do, because I don't. Listen, I uh, and it, it, equally, yes, the other way around, right? If I was to come up there, I've done it. I've, I've gone into Sportsnet, and you've taken me through the ropes again, because your knowledge, you know more about it than I do. And, um, yeah, and there's a way that, you know, I'm not being pompous when I say that, and but you're right, you know. So some people, I would never say it to try to be uh, uppity, but uh, and, and like I said, pompous. But there is a difference, uh, and if someone has experience, it's and to go back to it. Yes, I agree with you. But to go back to what you were saying about Gretzky, his int like yeah, his mind is being analytical as he's playing because intuition <laughs> is adding. Th yeah. So when he, people say, well, you know, his old, his famous, uh, one of his famous sayings uh, is, you know, you go to where the puck isn't. And, and you say, right. well, wherever he was going, again, 
as evidenced by the fact he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the smartest. I think he was way faster than people think, but he wasn't, uh, he, you know, he was a six or seven out of 10 in a lot of these areas. He was caught like a bag of milk, but his intuit intuition, uh, his hockey IQ was so high. And that's, that's mathematics in a way in your head. That's analytics in your head. He's thinking, right. well, where do I need to go to be? And right. So there's a reason one leads to the other. So I guess anything could be analytical, but for the intuition, for the heart, for the desire, and the, the gut feeling that a lot of coaches still get and use someone, I think I don't think we'll ever, ever uh, be distanced from that. We can try to, but I don't think it's going to happen. If you're an ex-player who gets into analytics and you deem yourself as this is helping me understand the game, cool. I'm cool with that. If you're some guy who, frankly, has never played the game before, even at a, you know, road hockey level and you're showing up with your computer charts i get how it works for baseball because baseball starts in a set position in a one-on-one -on -one scenario i get that to me it doesn't translate to hockey the way it translates to baseball. and even like i said even in baseball there's still the kirk gibson right there's, exactly. there, there's exactly. still moments where heart and like it can overcome people can, can transcend themselves oh look look uh Senior just got here. Senior's here to watch Peaky Blinders. Oh, say, Senior, hi, say hi to Reader. Come over. Fine. Senior, you're walking into perfect. We're on my podcast. Hey, buddy. This is the one that gets me. Um, she cats backwards. Here, say hi to him. Peaky Blinders cat. Uh, glasses on, man. Good to see you. You like those green glasses, Senior? Oh, yeah. I sort of like them. They threw me off. I, I would have had to look twice yeah, to pick well, you out. Yeah. Official color of the What's that? The official color of the Picto Mare Packs, green and white. <laughs> oh, is it? What, so, Hart see, that's not all like, Hart Hartford Whalers. That's old school right there. That's right. That's right. So you'll like this one, boys. So oh, yeah. this is what gets me about analytics and hockey, right? And I'm not just trying to pick on them, even though I am. Um, I, I'm going over, you know, I'm on the whatever it is, Twitter, and, and I come across this thing, and it, it's this big analytic chart. And it says, look at the goals from the home plate area. And I go, what the frick are you talking about? The home plate area. Oh, it's the area in front of the net that shapes like home plate. I said, the slot? or Yeah, really? And they post, did you know that 73% of goals come from the home plate area? But quit trying to reinvent a chocolate chip cookie and call it chips and chocolate. It's we know. I said, my God. I said, if someone had would have passed this information on to, oh, Ryan Smith or Mike Bossy. Do you imagine the goals they could have scored from the home plate area? Can you imagine if they knew that more goals went in from the slot than the far red line? Wow, like, I'm amazed. So that, to me, discredits the whole hockey analytics. Don't try to tell me stuff I already know. If you want to quantify everything, go ahead, but don't tell me stuff I already know and give a new name to it. It's called the slot. Okay? Yeah, exactly. It's called the grease area. It's called the blue paint. Senior, hey, wait, look, senior, I got a microphone, and when you talk back there, it sounds like just noise in the background. I want you to speak, and if I had a microphone to give you, but it's going to sound weird. But I'll give you this to say goodbye to Reader now in a sec, because we, we got to take off. Senior's here to watch Peaky Blinders. And right, although I love his input, I need an extra mic. I don't have it here today, but we'll do okay. this again soon. And I, I'm thinking every six or seven episodes, you're going to come back, right? Sure, why not? Anytime. You're the only guy I get to talk analytics with, because... I, Even Merrick I mean, has gone the other way. I listen to Merrick all the time, and he's gone the other way. And I, yeah, I yeah, please tell him what you just told me. I've often sat there in the morning in Hockey Central, and he'll say that. He'll say, well, you know, 
when Johnny Goodrow gets a breakaway, he's good lately. I'm like, well, he's on a fucking breakaway. Of course. Yeah. He, the odd time he gets four breakaways he's, or five breakaways, he's going to score three. He's going to go right. 0 for 5 like everybody else sometimes. Can I just say this, though? Um, I, I like what you said because there obviously are some things from analytics that will work, I, I assume. But we don't have to be yes or no. And we're in a polarizing time in the world. The whole internet thing to me has divided us between you're right or you're wrong. We're often, it's a mixture of both. So obviously, there, I'm glad that people discovered that you can score from the home plate area if they didn't know that before. All I'm saying is we knew that. Yeah, I know. Right? And Tell me something what? I don't know is what I want to know. And I'll, one more thing. Well, he's one on one. He, he wins 78% of puck battles. Who's quantifying the puck battles? Some team, some kid who's an intern at your company? Who's judge, who says what a puck battle is? Anyway, I could go and go and go. Uh, yeah, I like it. And I like it. I think we're going to end there. I like exactly what, what you had to say. I'd love to bring it up again soon. And maybe in, because uh, uh, Kenny, you're my buddy anyway. And you're very informative hockey mind. People love when you're on, as evidenced by the numbers. And you're uh, just a fantastic person. Interesting. And one of my buddies, Senior, you want to say goodbye to the killer or what? Okay, Reader, you got it. And I'll be talking to you later on. Uh, uh, like I say, I'm here normally every Friday, and by the end I'm drunk. But, but er ergo, ergo, what's the reason why I'm being here? That's it. I make, no, I make no apologies. I enjoy myself, and I see, them all, I'll see all the guys when they tune in. It's great. Senior, you're a national treasure. And always remember, Senior, you're a saint or you ain't. <laughs> you got that. You're a saint or you ain't is right. Well, I think, yeah, and he's going to call himself a saint for obvious reasons. Oh, because he, because he is. He ain't. I know it is. <laughs> Even though I was a saint, not necessarily am I a saint. So I'll, go, I'll let it go with that. Well, I'm talking about the on ice kind of saint. He knows. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good <laughs> going. I'll never be denied. <laughs> okay. I won't allow it because I was. I shouldn't have been what it could have, should have me. We good now? Yeah, we're good. Okay, Killer. We'll see you, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. Or uh, thanks for answering the call. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. This has been – I'm going to end it here, too. I'm going to end it here. Screw it. we got to watch Peaky Blinders. Love you, Killer. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Prayers and thoughts with everybody in Nova Scotia. And we'll hear from you again soon. Tune in on Sunday to Hockey Card Stories with Ken Reed at Sportsnet. Check him out on Instagram, new account. Love you, buddy. See you later. Love you, too, boys. See you.